I'd like to exchange an egg. I've made my choice and I choose me. Attention Beverly Hills 90210 fans. You are now entering a song by song. You're so precious to me. Episode by episode. Look, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. Count of the making of America's most famous zip code. May the bridges I burn light the way. With producers Charles Rosen and Larry Mullen and your host Pete Ferrero. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. It's now time for the Beverly Hills 90210 show. All right, here we are on Friday night now, right? Friday uh, with Larry Mullen, the usual suspect. Larry, how's how's your week been, man? How's everything going? It's been better this week. Yeah, everything was a lot better this week. Um, you know, we're just starting to get through this thing. You got to stay upright in this whole uh, coronavirus thing. We're just taking it seriously. We're full mask on, people. and uh, But, we, you know, we're getting out there. I, I did some... Uh, some lunch with some friends at social distance at our friend's uh, Italian place. You know, we sat outside like a picnic, and it was good. Nice. Nice. And uh, joining us here is uh, Molly Campbell. Molly, how are you? It's a uh, costume designer. It's great to have you. How, how are you handling the, uh, the pandemic? I'm thrilled uh, to be on the show this afternoon. And uh, <clears throat> I did uh, 150 masks uh for uh the union uh the designers guild and they were wonderful they came and picked them up and i've been sending extra elastic all over the place <laughs> and <I've laughs> been, where are you located molly where are you now i'm in the hollywood hills oh on very outpost cool. very cool and we have lily with us lily uh representing all the groups and the fans uh how is everything in the group world any oh, going well? Everything oh, okay? Here, yeah. Okay. Happy to be here and thankful that we're able to do this for everyone. Yeah, you're part uh, co-host and also police uh, uh, <laughs> 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 of all messages and things of that nature. Anyway, <laughs> listen, guys. You know we have these shirts. I'm wearing today, Larry. I think you got yours on too. The right, the Roy Randolph uh, Academy of Acting School. Royal oh. Academy, Peter. Really, we got to get you one of these shirts. Look, I'm wearing the "Don't Go Away." Just yeah, uh, I need the duck one. If it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, that's the got to get one of those, right? <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to run a little promo here, like we do at the top of the show, just talking about the ads, and then we're going to hop into Snowbound and Nancy's Choice. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans, stop what you're doing right now and go check out some awesome new t-shirts available at the Beverly Hills 90210 show shop.com. I'd like to exchange an egg. I've made my choice and I choose me. That's right. Some of the most memorable moments from the TV show are available on your very own t-shirt. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. You know you want a Ray Pruitt concert tee. How about a Beverly Hills Beach Club member shirt? So go ahead and check out Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com for everything you need. T-shirts, mugs, tank tops, sweatshirts. You will not be sorry. You know what's cool, guys? We have some masks up there now, too. Are you serious? Oh, fun. Yeah, there's some uh there's some masks. So if you you know you're in quarantine, you need to go somewhere, you can rep your 90210 mask. Good. I like it. Yeah. All right, cool. So hey, Larry, this is this season six is uh, filled with a lot of things, a lot of moving parts for you uh, and for Molly as well. A lot of new characters, a lot of, we're seeing a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I got to ask you, you're mid-season now of this season, season six. Uh, what's going on behind the scenes in the writer's room? Is there some shakeups? We don't well, have to talk 
me more well, what's happening in your world. Let's try to see because I, I actually looked at the uh, the production dates of this, which you know really was uh, before the Christmas break, and this was a double up also. Uh, I was going to ask was, uh, you if it was it was a double up. What's that? I wanted to know if it was a double up. I think so. I think so too because yeah, when I see it was the in the middle at and the end. The the cat uh, my crew is different on the two. Exactly. Oh, you looked it up. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. To no, say, I watched them. Nice, excellent. I yeah. did too. I was like, I look. I watched them twice. Yeah, nice. Just I, 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 I had because it was still a long ago. She's great. You know, I wanted to say, I realized that these were episodes nineteen and twenty of season six, which meant yeah. that from the spring of ninety three to the winter of ninety five, we had done nearly ninety episodes. That's right. Try wow. to understand how many episodes that is. That's almost four times any other show would produce with the kind of production. And I know Michael Lang was on the show and he talked about how it was always a seven day shooting schedule, seven out of 10, seven out of 10. And we always hit it. But I mean, it's amazing that you could. So I guess what I want to say is by that time in the grind, when I look at it now, I can see there were a lot of challenges that were going on on camera and off camera. So you asked about off camera. Yes. So this season starts and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to be kind of fair. Chuck left and uh, we had, uh, uh, and that was a big change in the room. Also Chip Johannesson left, who was a, a vital part of uh, yeah. a, a number of years and, and really brought, you know, one of, I, I really enjoyed working with Chip because we had kind of an odd, we could bring all the odd little pieces of information into the show that kind of, uh, you know, we thought was cool. Like Lucinda Nicholson was art and the cult stuff. Yeah. But Chip is gone now. And basically, Jessica and Steve are the executive producers. I'm a co-exec, but basically we're like a triumvirate. The only problem is, is, as all the challenges are going on, we have a number of challenges. Like the executive producers are divorcing, which is not a secret. <laughs> well, that's not a secret. Right? And so not only are they executive producers, but they're a writing team. So that so now we have to adjust to that because there's there's so much emotion going on. And again, this is the 90th, I think the, 80, the 83rd and 84th episode in this grind. And so, uh, not that I'm apologizing at all, but I think, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just the opposite. I'm just saying we really, we rose above that uh, yes. in the writer's room. We had, um, you know, I mean, basically, I basically, you know, worked a lot with Steve, which I ha hadn't done a lot. And, you know, and we hit it off. And there's a lot of the, cocaine story yeah. oddly enough came from steve and myself <laughs> and uh perhaps uh, from experience uh more so from him than me but i certainly have been around the, dr the drug scene so we gravitated to that plot and watching that plot through these two episodes it really stands out um i want to say also on camera there was a lot of stuff going on too. The strain of the work schedule was getting to the actors. I can see, I mean, poor Tori is having her eating challenges right now. And she looks tremendously thin in these episodes. To me. I'm gonna hold you for one second, Larry. We got Darren with us. Darren Early. Darren Early, yeah. You got kicked out of work? <laughs> yeah, my, my shift ended like uh, six minutes ago. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, did, you guys start an, did you guys start an hour later today? No. Nope. No, no. We just start. We just start. You're here. You're you're stuck with us now. You now can't. You're, oh, cool. Now you're stuck with the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was sorry. just I was just I was just telling tales out of school. So sit down. 
<laughs> All right, so go ahead. So, I mean, everything I'm saying has already been reported somewhere else. I'm just trying to give a, a, a background to these episodes and what was going on in uh, probably November of 95. These aired in, in January of 70, probably December of 95. These aired in Janu late January of 96. So you've got, and I, I looked up the timeline on this. So again, it's not talking about school, but Jenny Garth was going through a divorce. Right. Tori was going One through eating challenges. Executive princes were divorcing, and still we nailed those scripts <laughs> <laughs> on time yeah. and uh, always, always ready for the actors, right? But uh, but looking at Snowbound, uh, just overall, I mean, we'll we'll get into the thing. I I think Nancy's choice. There's a difference in directing. I, I want to say, uh, you know, Molly probably has her feelings about this, but one episode is directed by Chip Chalmers, who is a good, solid pro. And the other one was directed by James Whitmore Jr., who is a really gifted director and just always brings something special. Yeah. And there's a big difference in the director. Jimmy what, what do you say, Molly? Love Jimmy Whitmore. Yeah. He did the Western show. The lowest rated episode. <laughs> of, of, of the fifth season. I just looked it up. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts happening with everybody. And even for the actors, you mentioned a few things. That's a lot to be dealing with as, as this is going on. And then you have a, a little bit of a 90210 storyline happening behind the scenes with the writers, this divorce and all this. That had to be some some challenging stuff. How do you deal with all of that, Larry? Well, you don't have time to, do, to think of the outside stuff. You just got to turn out your pages. You know, you have a schedule you got to keep. And um, we just, you know, even with everyone going all different ways, and I'm talking about the actors too, but some of the work in this, uh, these two shows is really good. I mean, Jenny's work is phenomenal. The subtlety of it. Now, you must have been surprised, Molly, looking at the, her performance there. Not to mention how beautiful she looked, even as a cohort. Yes. <laughs> the thing that's amazing to me is because I'm not on the set, I never see it. Uh, you do the clothes and you hope that, you know, and the truck takes it over and. I thought she was amazing. I don't ever remember her getting into shorts like that scene with the t-shirt and the shorts at Colin's apartment. I really, <clears throat> I had a lot of admiration for her because she had insecurities about her. Mm. You know, they all did. Everybody did. Yeah. <clears throat> I could do a show for you just about the blue jeans that they all had to have. Everybody had a different kind of blue jeans. Well, I'm curious about some of that. While we have like that, it literally yeah. like that, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> about some of that stuff. You know, there's always all this before you even got there. You know, they all wanted to wear the same dress and and some of that stuff. And is some of that still going on? Are you dealing with some of those conflicts with the with the cast? I don't want to wear this. I want to wear that. Oh sure, and they used to look at each other's racks. You know, and chop each other's rails in the, in the finish. Oh, God. Yeah, and everybody wanted the red dress. <laughs> the biggest thing was the red dress, because no matter what you do, if you're wearing the red dress, the eye goes right there. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like working with some of them? What is, what is Shannon? Hard. <laughs> Shannon was wonderful. Yeah. Shannon was wonderful for me. She was tiny, and uh, and she liked the stuff. I, in fact, I went with her to when she went to do Charmed. Oh, nice! Yeah, they moved me from nine hundred two one zero to Charmed. 
Oh wow. Yeah. Jennifer says files as well. Jennifer says, tell us more about that red dress. What would you like to know? <laughs> it's uh, just an eye catcher. It just yeah. is what it is. And uh, and I know that Diane Anthony Kennedy did some wonderful work on the their prom episode and the dress when they wore both the same dresses. Yeah, right. Yeah. Some of, some of the stuff from before I did the show. <clears throat> Um, how are you, uh, like, how are you refereeing? I want to wear this. I want to wear that. How do you like, well, I have a degree in psychology. Molly would, uh, Paul, would Paul Wagner help you sometimes, uh, with the, with the cast? Oh, Paul or? was wonderful. Paul hired me. Yeah. He was, he was my greatest mentor in my career. <clears throat> Yeah, he really made it all work on that side of the hill, you know. That, oh my that. God! And oh, there's Tori. <laughs> wow, that's now that's Tori dressed as her own grandmother, and it was like a 1940s uh, flashback show. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes, I yes. remember. Yes. <clears throat> I have the dress and the shoes in my house. Wow. I'm telling you, we should do a show where we just do the racks of all the things I've got that are left over from. <laughs> we the would show. love that. I would love that. Yeah, I, I traded a lot of things. You know, people think I stole them. Well, I didn't, but I would uh, say, well, okay, why don't you like uh, the Nancy story? Both of the girls are wearing uh, shawls of mine. <laughs> And uh, so if I use stuff of mine, I could trade, like, for a piece or two pieces from wardrobe. And uh, I have, I have the, the football jacket. I have Ian's yeah. uh, sweater. I have, I have the tie that Jason was wearing in the episode today, Nancy. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd get a kick. I think maybe the fans would get a kick. Oh, oh yeah. Warren Martin, Martin is going to stake out your house, I think. He <laughs> 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 might be going over there with Wampa. I see that tie thing. Wall, Darren Martin. What are all those sketches? Yeah, D Darren is going to yeah. Darren's going to walk us through his place too. He's got some really cool memorabilia and stuff and pictures and all that. We'll we'll do that in a, in a little bit. I want to kind of stick to this now uh somebody asked Peter yeah, somebody somebody asked a great a great question. What about the guys? Was was were they ever back and forth about uh, you know I, well, why is Luke wearing this, Jason wearing that kind of? Thing? No, not really. The boys were the easiest of all. Yeah. Um, Jason wore lucky jeans and subdued plaids. Uh, Luke wore Armani. So did David uh, Brian. Um, uh, Sarah says Luke Perry looked it, great in a pair of jeans, guest jeans. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. He looked great in everything. And he yeah. was su such an incredible human being. I mean, really, yeah. there weren't many people like him in the business. All right, let's get to let's get to some of the stuff that's happening and we're definitely going to talk more about the costuming for this and and some other fun stuff. Um but Larry, let's jump into some of the things that are happening in the world of this of these couple of episodes because there's a lot of things happening, right? Yeah. Um I mean, the main story is really uh 
you know, I went back to look at the episode before uh, Snowbound because I just I saw your comment about was there enough motivation to get Kelly to take coke? Right. Now, and probably not. But but we, I guess it was done anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, her father kind of abandons her. He kind of blows her off again. He leaves town at the end of uh, that episode. Fade in. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then we and then Kelly finds that coke that she had been hiding for for Colin and takes it. And now when we come into this episode, they're in full binge mode. They got yeah. three thousand bucks in bed and limo fucking. I mean, it's pretty hot. And they, you know, it's, it's going through that exhilaration part of the drug experience. And, you know, and, and it, it really plays out well the way it's beat out. I was pretty happy with not so much the episode, but that storyline. Really, uh, you know, when they go to the restaurant, it's just so classy. You go to the restaurant, you order all that expensive food, and then they have no appetite. And then right. they try to <laughs> And then she, he finds out that she took the, she took the last of the Coke, like a classic attic thing I mean, there's so much or i mean they, they get beat on the street which of course was my story uh yeah i mean steve and i kind of really kind of went into our our, our lives and, and and wrote this beat it out and, and it plays really well in the episode and the performance by jenny garth is phenomenal i yeah. can't think of a storyline that she does better than this one yeah um, I want to ask you, when does this even, are you still pitching to Aaron? We always kind of talk about that on the, on the show. So are you pitching this cocaine storyline to him? Oh yeah, we had pitched that. We would have pitched that probably in the summer because in the summer, don't forget now these two episodes, try to keep in mind, they're leading up to February sweeps. These don't count in the, in the, uh, the money that the, the network's going to make the next episode, which I think is called what flying, I think. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, and in other words, now we're getting into that's you want to be building up people's appetites so they tune in, you put the fannies in the seats, and we get good numbers and sweeps because that's how the money is made for the network. Got so it. These, these are feeder episodes, and this particular one's uh, so, uh, like I said, so we would have pitched this whole storyline early on, and you know, and the thing we knew we, we would have because we would have been writing this probably in September. Yeah. October. We again to do the double ups, we would have to break all the stories and then get everyone going on teleplays and then come back to the teleplays as we start getting into pre-production. Uh, and we would probably start the double ups about five or six uh, episodes into the season, just to give us to get our feet wet, and then we all of a sudden really rev it up, and it would go that way to Christmas, and then we come back and it'll be the same way. Yeah. So, kids were 21 at this point, you know, theoretically they were in the third year of college. It was a very adult storyline and, you know, there's some really good shooting in it. Uh, you know, the, the, it looks pretty real. It holds up pretty well. Um, when you're talking about double ups for anybody who hasn't been following and this, this is their first episode that they're watching right. or listening to wherever they're getting it, double ups are when you're shooting two episodes virtually from pre-production to post-production at the same time, and you're you're covering everything uh, at, at one one in one moment, right? Yeah, and for like Molly, she's got she, you know her whole thing has to expand. We have to do double cast. You have to we have to write the scripts so that certain actors are shooting one scene on one set, That's and right. the other people are in a location on a, on a distant location, and you got to go back and forth and balance it out. So it was a real um, it was a real feat. No one has ever done it since. Yeah, that's what Michael was telling us this week. Um, now, so Nancy's Choice and Snowbound were, were shot at the same time? I, you know, I tried to get into my files today, but I didn't quite get deep enough. I, I would like to find out, but I have a feeling they might have been. 
Yeah, it definitely yeah. feels like there was, there was nothing extraordinary production-wise in, in in either of them. I mean, yeah, we had the TV studio and we had, yeah. uh, you know, the the hotel. I guess we shot the uh, the hotel in Century City. It looks like to me. Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it would be Century uh, Plaza. Yeah, so, so it's you and, the, the Beagleman Plaza where he threw himself off the top into the lobby. <laughs> so uh, let me tell you about sending a car to get a pair of shoes from one set and take them to the other set. Yeah, it was a nightmare. It was no, it was logistical nightmare. But uh, the cocaine story was all signed off on, and we knew where we were going with that. You know, we knew we were. Was that you and Steve that came up with that? Yes, I would say yes. I mean, look, everybody, everybody would sit in the room there, but we were the ones driving that. We knew we wanted to challenge that relationship with Colin, and and, and again, Colin was an outsider to the group, so you know, there's got to be an abrasive quality to it, and you know, it just seemed to go at one point in I think Nancy's choice. It's really a good line. Uh, Valerie says to him, you don't need cocaine to paint. He says, yeah, but I need cocaine to paint well. Right. Oh, it's and, so great. I wrote that. Lifetime stoner. I, I understand that. I probably read that. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that line down. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, really good <laughs> stuff. Don't do this at home. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about that, too, though. I mean, these storylines are now moving into uh, another realm, right? You know, from the teenage Donna Martin graduate to... Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, people struggling with cocaine and abandonment issues and whatnot. Um, that's a conscious choice that you guys are making to say, "Hey, let's let's do some real shit here." Well, you know, we're just again in the in the concept of vertically integrating the cast, like throwing them against each other, trying to find those 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 things we can do. Then you need incident, and you know, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll still is in all our past and, and everyone. You know, it just seems to reverberate, especially with entitled kids who live in Beverly Hills. Yes. And, uh, you know, the overprivileged, the, what do they call that? Affluenza. We didn't know that word then. <laughs> is a good word. Um, certainly some of them had it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, and, you know, you, I love, one of the things I love is that you're always, you're doing, you're able to do some more callbacks now in history, right? Like, um, you know, and we'll talk about the L thing in a second. But You know, that was really conscious, Peter, because we knew the fans who wanted it, who watched the show really appreciated that. In other words, you got a payoff for really being a, a loyal, frequent, frequent watcher, you know? Yeah. Things you could understand when people reflect on, you know, Kelly would never do cocaine. Right. You know, her mother did that. You know, and there's not a chance. That whole episode is built on denial. Yeah. I mean, anyway, that's what I was going to ask you about. I should say overall... This was an episode, Snowbound, not Nancy, Snowbound to me was a little bit off the template. I mean, it, it had the emotion, passion, and the bonding and fun, but it didn't. It felt more like an episode that was getting from point A to point B. It didn't have its a wholeness to it the way Nancy Choice does, which has a whole story in it, which we always strove for. And so this episode, I think as a whole, you know, it's got the whole traffic school thing, which is kind of cockamamie and some yeah. other stuff, but uh, it, it just didn't uh, didn't have a, a big event in the middle at the end of it either, where everyone could kind of get together and, and, and sure. do what we need to do. So, looking at it, I, I wasn't as happy with it as I was with Nasty's Choice, which I was pretty happy with. Yeah, I love that one. Um, and I'm noticing here, like you know, Kelly and Colin, total lots of kissing, lots of intimacy. It's incredible the amount of stuff that they're doing with each other. Um, how are, how do they react to something like that? Are they? I I think she must have really felt comfortable. There's, there's other instances where it wasn't that way, and and we'd hear about it. But this particular thing, we never heard about it. They seemed to really. I mean, they were. You know, he looked great with his shirt off. By the way, 
Yeah, I mean, and I thought those scenes were nicely done, and uh, again, it felt kind of real. And I don't know, they were very comfortable with each other lying in bed. I mean, you could not do this. This would take years to do this kind of stuff now with all the rules for sure you know, sexual scenes and stuff. But um, yeah, no, I thought they really went at it. So I, I assume, and again, looking at the timeline, this is when she had started uh, not to be a gossip. I'll let leave that thing for Darren. But uh, I think this is when she started up with her second husband, Peter Sicarelli, and then she finally got divorced from, from Dan in 96, uh, looking at the Wikipedia page on it, for example. Right. So, so uh, but maybe it was a great release for her. But she, like, again, she really committed to the role and it was just looked great. I mean, she really uh, just distinguished herself, I thought, in this storyline. I, th I think what you're saying is right. You know, I think that she was she wasn't as inhibited, right, when she's in a relationship off camera, right. Now she's got this part, and she can just be in the character. She can be Kelly. She can be coked up. I mean, it's a, a testament to her acting ability. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're right. That freedom perhaps really helped that. I mean, because that's obviously Molly knows this too. I mean, it's really hard for the young actress or any actress, you know, being in a love scene with somebody else if you're married. I mean, Correct. when I did Renegade, oh, when Renegade Lamas used to have the love scenes, his wife would stand right behind the camera. He had to have people, like, head her off so she wouldn't mess up the love scene because she would, like, be standing there, like, you know, go ahead. Who, 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 who is this? I'm sorry, I missed Kathleen Kinmon. Renegade, the show Renegade. The okay. Renegade Lamas. Oh. You know, um, Lamas would have to kiss other women in the show. And right. Kathleen would be right behind the camera, so looking at him. Yeah, um, how is how is Jason Wilde fitting into the with the cast now? He's here for a little bit, right? You know, he is. I I, I suspect it's a very tough clique of people, and it's tough to break into. So I, I I have no evidence. Like I said, we were on the other side of the hill. We had Paul Wagner, thank goodness, who who always dealt with the the, the actors, and uh, we just had to really deal with turning out material. That's all we had time for. But I, I assume. Again, Jenny must really like him, and I'm sure Luke was great to him. And you know, but I don't think it was a tough group to crack. I mean, do you have anything? Do you know anything more here, Darren? No. No. How about Molly? Do you know anything more about that? I don't tell. <laughs> Wait for her tell all. Day. I do not tell. Let's some night we should do a. A show about the night we went to the Rose Bowl and shot with the Rolling Stones. Have you done that? No. We 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 did a little something, me and Chuck, but we're gonna do that you again. You can't do it without me. No, we, we're gonna do that one again. Yeah, we're gonna do it better. I will <laughs> never forget that night. I got home at like four thirty in the morning. It was a great night. <laughs> Unbelievable night. Unbelievable. Yeah, I gotta. I want to definitely uh, hear more about that. Um, one right. of the questions here from uh, Melanie Rose is, "What is your all-time favorite location on any given episode, but not a standard one like the Walsh House?" Good question. Good question. How was the Queen Mary for you? Loved it. Loved the yeah, Queen. That was Mary. pretty awesome. Yeah, I want to do a whole episode. That's like I think that might be my favorite episode. Oh, that would be fabulous. That wasn't yeah. that a graduation party or something? Yeah, yeah. No. these twenty first Prince throws him a party 20s. with the Goo Goo Dolls and the yes, yes, and the Prince. And, the and, and what about uh, bare naked ladies? Yeah, that was the set, season seven. Yeah, 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 that was cool. They were great. I ran into them in Toronto, actually. <laughs> well, that was a thing. I think that's a brand, a Jason thing, right? That's a Jason connection. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the Cregans, the Cregan brothers. 
All right, so also in this, in these episodes, we're seeing Susan Keats and Brandon dating Susan Keats. I think, uh, you know, and I'll get some at me here. I think Susan Keats is uh, Brandon's best girlfriend. You know, I think I love them together. I think Emma. I do too. You know, looking at it here, this was really interesting relationship because it was a serious professional relationship because there was someone who was on his level and wanted what he wanted and yes. was more yeah. ambitious than him. That's the interesting part. So she was nice. more ambitious. So she challenged him in ways he hadn't been challenged. And of course he gets really jealous of this other guy, Jonathan Caston. Uh, but I, I really liked her in this thing. I, you know, I wasn't sure if they really had physical chemistry because there's one scene. Do we ever see them really? Is there a scene with them in bed? I think there is. Yeah. I think there, there is one and where Nancy's choice. Carol or Cindy comes back or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the only thing. I don't. I don't know uh, whether sparks were flying, but I really liked. You know, we were going for like the uh, the Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn, Devis, you know, the two journalists kind of thing. Oh, I love that. I yeah. it played pretty well. I mean, it gave him a good challenge, but in a way, everyone knew she was just a seat filler till you know Kelly was going to happen. I'm going to ask you, when you, let's talk about casting Emma or, or casting Susan Keats. Um, are you, do you know that you want Emma? Is it an audition? We always kind of talk about some of those things. So how does Susan. You know, there was a straight up audition for this. You know, she, she, she went out in the audition, you know, these we brought the, the people up to Aaron's office or whoever the three last ones were. I can't even really remember. And she was darling, you know, and she does a really good job. But Nancy's choice, she, she's killing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why she doesn't want to come and talk to us. There's a couple uh, of them that uh, have not, uh, not gotten back to us, right? Know. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with this show. We've had Darren Starr on. We've had Sandy Grusha. We have Molly Camp and Darren. And what about Ian? And, well, and, uh, you know, you know eventually, eventually it'll happen. Us. It'll happen. Yeah, eventually. I would love to do, just so yeah, yeah, sure. cast members listening, I would love to do their favorite episodes with with them and kind of do a deep dive like, we, like we've like we been doing. That would be a lot of fun to do. So if any of them are watching, because Darren's on today, come on, join us. Maybe Kathleen Robertson would want to. You never know. Right? I wouldn't I would. Now, Larry, isn't Kathleen from Hamilton, too? Yes, she is. Thank a you Canadian. So she won't I'm respond to me, Molly. And, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and and there were enough of us there to make a difference. There were a lot of Canadians. There were. And I revealed this week that I'm a class of '94, and growing up, my like TV crush is Claire Arnold. So I mean, she has to come on the show at this point, you know? I mean, very good there. Yeah, <laughs> skilled at such a young age. I mean, she just uh, uh, such a talent. The eye roll thing. She's got the eye roll thing down. She's oh, she does. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, I'm, I forget which episode, but Steve, but Ian does a side eye thing, which is phenomenal in one of these episodes. <laughs> great side yes, eye. Yes, he does. He's at the back of a chimney. Yeah. Does. About about yeah. Kathleen. Listen, she's in all sincerity, she's she's doing phenomenal work now. She's working on a show. She's writing. She has shows all over the place. Um, what does she like to work with uh, in terms of being an actor on this? Is she offering? ideas for her character no she's too young to do she just was very you know look we started off in a handcuff to brandon's bed so she kind of was uh it was all easy after she that went from there yeah it was easy but no no she was uh, lovely and uh and, and very enthusiastic and, and really brought 
a tremendous too. I mean, she made herself a, a regular. She's the only one who really latched on that way uh, that I remember during our years, who really was just going to be in a couple of episodes and then wound up being a regular. So going back to season, Susan Keats then, when you're writing the character of Susan Keats, do you know she's going to be here for through season six? We wrote her all the way through. Um, does she know that she's only going to be here? Is there always an opportunity for a character like that to be like, there's always an option in the contract. I mean, there was, she was signed for the season, probably all 32. And, and then there was an option for another, you know, another year. But, you know, at that point, uh, I think we, you know, we had a, again, we had to get back to, you know, to, to Brandon and Kelly or, you know, you know, it was always in the, you know, we had a long game we were playing still too. Yeah. But so we just, but I mean, she could have, you know, it just didn't, you know, she, she served a purpose. It would be, again, it was part of that, Brandon's ambition and and kids now are no longer kids. You're going to the adult world. You've got to make real decisions that are going to affect your career. And she was right. career driven. So we thought that 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 really resonated. She's so great. And Emma Emma is so great in these in these two episodes. She's got a lot. She's got this thing with her sister's uh, accident, right? I mean, that's a big a big yeah. moment here and a big storyline. Um, where did that come from for the Susan Keats character? I think uh, I would say uh, John Isinger probably brought that in. I don't, you know, I don't remember, you know, and oddly enough, I didn't quite understand what she says uh, when she lets, she doesn't run the story about the Joe Bradley's uh, heart condition. I didn't understand that uh, argument at all. Because, her, her, because she was thinking about her sister. I didn't quite get that connection. <laughs> I had to play it twice, so I, I, I felt a little bit vulnerable there. So, ooh, I kind of uh, didn't quite. Uh, yeah, know, it seems she was pretty ambitious and she but was. I, but I, li I liked to. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I like the thought of it. We, 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 you know, we tried to give her character some dimension. I thought, and especially in Nancy's choice, she gets some scenes. At one point, she's in a scene with not even one of the, you know, one of our people. She's yeah, I was, I was gonna, I'm gonna wait. I want to ask you about that too in a, in a minute here because that's you don't ever see that too. No, I, 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 I would have, I, I didn't like it. I was not happy with that seeing it. Yeah, just you, no, no, Brandon, Jonathan. Yeah, just her and Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't um, know. There got you know too many episodes. Some got away. On the on the Kathleen thing, are you now aware at this point that she's leaving the show at the end of the season? No, no, not at all. No, no, that decision didn't happen till the writing of uh, the episode we were talking about, the Queen Mary episode. No, okay. no, no, till the next season. The next season she goes seven. on. She left the seventh. She graduates. She leaves or she she leaves She's with us. I mean, look, the Steve, the Steve and Claire thing. I guess it was an okay relationship. I mean, it goes on for a, a couple of seasons, right? I mean, from I here know. to the a end of, of the end of season seven, and um, I think they were fun together. You know, I, I didn't. I wasn't too happy with the traffic school stuff and the other the TV. I was, yeah, I was going to ask you. Know, I mean, the thing we liked about it was it's so L.A. And when you live in L.A., you're going to end up in a reality show, okay? It's just going to happen. Right. So, so that part of it, I, I liked about it. But it just, um, I don't know. It, this episode, and also the storyline, I have to say, with Joe Bradley, is I, I to me, you know, it was a tough one. It just, uh, just kind of lays there a lot of places, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't think it really advanced. Again, he, he, and Cameron, why don't you give me a call? Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. But it's, just, um, it's another seat filler until, you know, we're going to get back with David. I mean, in, in a certain way. Yeah. Another, you know, boyfriend of the season, that kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, he was good and he played hard. But I think uh, the storyline was kind of a downer sort of. It wasn't, sure. you know, 
But I, I should say one thing, and, and again, so much of this stuff when we're writing it comes out of our own lives. And and Jessica's father was going through all this heart stuff at that point too, and so she really? had all this research at her hands. Yeah, so yeah. so uh, you know, we just kind of said, "Oh yeah, athlete, you know, whatever." And you know, we just kind of, you know, we thought it would give some good scenes, you know. And, sure. And because again, we knew Joe Bradley and and Donna Martin were not going to consummate a relationship. They were not going to fuck. That, we knew that. That was not. We were, that wasn't going to happen. No, there's so no way that we that have to find a way to kind of sustain that. You know, Joe's from from Beavers Falls, uh, I think, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, and uh, you know he's kind of a straight straight ahead guy. You know, the kind of guy that Donna should have, and That's, and he's a sweet guy. He's a very nice guy. They're almost a, they're they're both like almost a, a perfect match. And right, I mean, even Kathleen says Joe was a virgin too. So I mean, like uh, they're they're both sort of like the perfect match in in a way. But that's why it's probably never going to work. Uh, we got Munces here. Uh, Munces. Hey, Munces. Hey, Ryan. Ryan. What's up, my man? Oh, yeah, we lost Molly for a uh, she'll come back in. But uh, hey, hey, Ryan, how you doing? Um, um, I'm just hearing feedback. I am hearing it from somebody. I just don't know who it is. Let's see. Maybe. Okay. Hold on. Oh, right. We lost Molly. Molly's out. I think the feedback's, coming, the feedback's coming from you, Darren. So I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll try. I turned off my computer thinking that would help. Maybe I'll just try to relocate. Okay. That sounds better already. Um, on on um, on Joe and Cameron, how about casting him? What Do you remember? Oh, we liked him a lot. You know, he was, you know, kind of a big, you know, again, a Canadian uh, big, big, you know, he was a hockey player and, um, yeah, he just seemed, you know, he just walked into the room and took the part. You know I mean? Yeah. I, I thought he really grabbed it. And it's a really good guy. I thought. Yeah. I thought he was, I think he's really, really a, a pretty amazing in this. I love that Brandon always has these kind of dilemmas, right? You know, he hears Joe's story about the heart issue and then he's trying to protect his friend because she's dating Donna, but he knows that he should, uh, you know, report the story and expose the the, the athletic team. You know, uh, I love that Jason gets some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean that you know a lot of that comes out of you know Chuck's view of the character and the you know the ethics that uh, he brings to it. And you know, he you know you you wanted him to be fa we want always wanted to challenge those things with him because sometimes it's not a lot of fun taking those positions and it, and you have to sacrifice stuff for that. And so it was nice that they did they did bury that and. But uh, you know the odd thing about this episode, these two episodes, um, talking about higher ground. I mean, for once, Valerie's got the higher ground. <laughs> yeah, really, it's so interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, she feel it feels like she's being really genuine that she really cares about Colin. Of course, she <laughs> but but I mean, she's acting it beautifully, and you know the whole thing with her being on on to Kelly. So you know where no one else is, and the guilt gifts, and some of the other uh, stuff she puts down there. Is really good. I, and, and, you know, just the stuff with Colin. I, I, I was really happy the, the way she treated that whole storyline. It was really good. Yeah. She Nobody believed her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of Tiffany now, she's there a while too. So is she fit in? Is she one of, you know, in that, that new clique now? Is she kind of cemented herself in, do you think, at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely uh, at that point. Uh, I mean, I don't know the timeline, but you know, yeah, she was certainly friends with Tori and and and, P and everybody. I mean, uh, yeah, she was she was part of it. She felt you know part of everything there. Certainly, probably Brian helped, but I think at this point, where her and Brian are a couple, 
I don't think they really in real life are a couple anymore. Right. So let's be clear. You mentioned that before. When they first uh, come to the show, they are a couple and you split them apart. Yeah. Then they're not a couple and you put them together. <laughs> you know, our bad choices must be outed. <laughs> bad choices and it affected people, I guess. But, uh, you know, we're just looking for content. I mean, you know, again, I, there was such tunnel vision from our room, from the writer's room, just to get the next page, the next script done, to get in there, to get in the process. There had to be a certain, you know, because then the script's got to be read by the network. It's got to be vetted by the, the business affairs department. <clears throat> Chuck talks about them all the time, Darlene Leaplick. <clears throat> And uh, then it's got to get, I mean, so much has got to happen. It's, it's a train's running and you just can't falter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you're the, the actors have to be, you know, ready for all the stuff. Is the is Colin, I mean, is Kelly, you know, do you have to talk to her about this cocaine storyline or uh, is she all in or what, well, you know? For example, uh, the second episode, I mean, James, James Whitmore is the one he directed. You know, I mean, some of the stuff there, I mean, it's it's pretty subtle and good. But, yeah, I'm sure the, both the directors, Chip and, and James, would, would go over the scene with the actors. And, and, and of course, look, Jenny, Jenny would have been around things, too. She'd been around, you know, musicians and stuff. I'm not saying she was an addict herself. I mean, obviously, people would. Uh-huh. But, uh, I don't I don't I don't bring that to her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, no. Yeah, I think that would be the directors there really kind of guided them through their. And, you know, makeup did a great job, too, in making her, you know, the scenes look real. She looked like she was loaded, you know? I liked oh, it. totally. Yeah. And yep. she had the jaw, the jaw clenching thing down. She was phenomenal. Yeah, I didn't even pick and, that up. And she never liked, you know, and, and they and the way it was edited, too, we don't talk much about the editing. We should, yeah. But they held on her a lot and kind of just, you, you got the sense of the vulnerability and, and, and being torn and the way an addict is torn. Like, I know I got to stop it. I'm, I'm not going to stop. I mean, like, you know, there's two things going on at once. And, it, and I kind of like the fact that, of course, David knows that she can't just stop. And that, that's You've been through it, right? David, David, I mean, Brian Austin Green has some really strong stuff here. Again, all the kids are now adult. And he's kind yeah. of right in Colin's face there. And, uh, you know, he, he gets to be a big boy, day, uh, Brian Austin Green. He's, he, you know, he's, he, he shot up a bit. And he's, he's an adult here. I mean, like, I, I think that's, you know, that's a great point because I think there's that, that scene. I think the scene with Brian and um, Colin you know, with David and Colin, where where he comes in and he threatens them or whatever, and he, you know, that's some really, really mature, great stuff. And I think yeah. when you see Brian developing as an adult actor, you realize that the show is moving sort of towards that towards that adult theme. And you know, as you're growing with them, for like I did, I love that shit. You know, yeah. I want that. You don't want them to be dealing with like you know high school shit. You want them to be dealing with real real life. You know. I think he says uh, the only thing going up your nose is going to be my fit. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, yeah. What about the whole Steve and uh, the speeder? The, the Steve and Claire street, street racing? Yeah. Darren had a funny thing on that because obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, I have, you know, again, you know, we, you know, Steve is irresponsible and entitled. So, of course, he's going to. Uh, you know, he gets suckered into it by, by Claire, and they take off. And then Steve like lies, and of course he says he's an organ donor. And Darren had never remembered this. Tell the story, Darren. Yeah. 
Oh, to get out of a ticket, Steve is like, oh, I'm late for dialysis. I, uh, <laughs> that's the reason I'm speeding. <laughs> and this is something that, that Darren went through himself. So it kind of feels like, whoa, what a low blow. But, you know, Steve Sanders, what are you going to say? It was, like a, it was like a Steve Sanders thing to do. I mean, uh, you know. Darren got a great question. Did Jenny go to get training to do the drugs? <laughs> you have to do research. Um. Like I said, I think the director would have walked her through it. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, there's been drugs around. Look, I mean, you know, drugs took down some of the writers, too, also. You know, I mean, it, it was a coke. You know, when you have money, what, what did uh, arrive to Robert Williams? Says, uh, cocaine is God's way of saying we have too much money. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, so there certainly was cocaine. And I, but not like I said, the, the actors were doing it, but I certainly you'd see it. And, she, you know, I think she had a good sense of it. And uh, the directors would have worked her through it. But I thought it was shot really nicely. Obviously, we're not allowed to show her putting it up her nose. Right. Um, and, but, uh, you know, and, you know, we saw a lot of it out there. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was done pretty well and pretty realistically, I said. I love the shot at the end of the episode where she's cutting lines on the mirror and you just see her face. Yeah, that's great stuff. That great I'll stuff. get I'll get there. Uh, I also loved uh, Liz says I also loved how the camera moved a bit askew when her and Colin ran out of coke. You can feel the dark downward spiral they were heading on. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I know the bummer. You know the bummer thing was really it was really pretty cool. You know, I, I liked I liked all of that. And uh, you know, then you know, Valerie calls Kelly's behavior manic. Right? You know, she's seeing all this, and there's so much like dark stuff happening. Where you know you, you mentioned that this is coming from your life, but are, are, is there ever a point where you're like, uh, can we have Kelly do that? Um. Well, again, this episode, the next week's episode is a money episode. It's a money ball. It's a sweeps episode, right? Sweeps episodes where we had to perform. Yeah. So we we knew we we're you know we we're gonna go in some heavy shit with her and she's gonna crash and burn and then you know we had the whole Tara story. I, I'm not sure if that was in sweeps also. I got to look at the next four. I think the next four episodes were gonna be the money episodes. Yeah. So we had to have the most promotable log lines and the most exploitative promos. <laughs> right. That's how they would explain it to us. Exploitable log lines. Kelly is nearly raped in a coke house. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna to have to start doing that for the podcast, maybe. Uh, you know, I made my living on this uh, for many years. <laughs> I came uh, to Hollywood with chips. <laughs> um, for Molly, talk to me about some of the season six uh, styles. Right, this is a long time ago. I got some pictures here. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we've got. We've got. Uh, now there's Susan Keats, right, in her running gear, and uh, yes. <clears throat> And we have, you know, uh, Kelly and... Uh, no, I really like that, that she made the choice to wear that man's T-shirt and a pair, I think they're going like to cut off flannel pants, yeah. little yeah. shorts. Um, so how much are you, how much are you, how much are you involved in, in them picking that kind of stuff out at that point? Oh, we have fittings for every show and we, uh, we do a rack for each change and they pick what they like for each change. And then I do something called the bouquet of sleeves. And the bouquet of sleeves is you pull out the sleeves from everybody's change in the scene and make sure that nobody's wearing the same color. 
It's yeah. very, um, I have a theory about television coloring on it's like a big, it, it, it's like doing a coloring book and I like a warm color and a cool color and a neutral or maybe two neutrals. And if you have to go outside that number of people, you do primaries first and secondary colors second. Mm. And it, and, but nobody should be wearing, I could, well, one of these days, I'll show you some pictures of the group and uh, everybody's got a different color on. And like I said, that red dress, <laughs> and, and not only do we do the clothes for the show, but we do the publicity stuff too. Mm -hmm. So that gives us a little more scope. And uh, uh, God, I feel responsible for Tori. I was going to say, Tori's wearing an Alex Diaz uh, jean jacket, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, I have one of her jean jackets here. It's so tiny. It still has the tags on it from, you know, we mark all the clothes and take them away after each episode so that we don't repeat anything and then we don't use it till later on. We use black pants and jeans and stuff like that. But So, Molly, when they see uh, new characters coming, let's say for argument's sake, Susan Keats, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you get told about Susan Keats? How do you get yes. told, how do you get told about her? Well, and then you, get, you can get script notes. The writers' room is always glad to uh, fill you in on the, you know what they're looking for, and hopefully the clothes will reflect that, and you won't have a big argument with the actress. <laughs> how was Susan Keith? Am I okay with the outfits? Up for grabs. And the ones that were the easiest to dress were the ones that y'all think are the most difficult. Right. Well, I want to know who was the most difficult. Yeah, who no. was the most difficult to dress. Really went there. Yep. Jenny I did. Was the hardest. Jenny? Yeah. Was there ever a time that any of them completely hated what they had to wear and, and gave you pushback? Not hearing you. Was there ever a time where anyone absolutely hated what they had to wear and, and gave you a hard time about it? Uh, she's, she's asking if there was ever a hard time. Uh-oh. Oh, now You're we all, can't hear her. Now we can't hear I think Never. you muted her. Nope. She, there we go. I think she plugged her thing in, and you have to go back out again, I think, again. <laughs> a little bit earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you hear us, Molly? No. No. She's Molly. Again. Oh, there we go. She's going to figure, yeah, um, figure that out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, uh, man, that was a good question. Good question, Lily. <laughs> well, we'll get back to that, I'm sure. Yeah, who's the easiest to dress? We'll get to all that stuff, guys, when she figures it all out. Um, okay, let's scooch on. Now, I, I got a question. Who draws all of Colin's art? Okay, uh, Anaris, we, we, uh, Stephen and I went out, and I think maybe Jessica was involved in this too, and we kind of auditioned artists, and we found an artist that, that we, we could make a deal with called Peter Tigler, his name of Santa Monica. Oh, really? Right and uh, he also did the, you know, the painted the mural in the, uh, you know, in the in the pitch pit after dark. So yeah, I mean, his you know, work is beautiful. <laughs> you know, I said his work is beautiful. Yeah, he's he's a well known artist. I mean, you know, he's, yeah. Community guy from Santa Monica. And what what happens to all this, all these 
things when they're done with them. They go to Darren's room, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not that. You wish, yeah. I, I don't know where I, you know, somewhere, somewhere Molly maybe has a better idea. Yeah. You know, I have, I have to go through my files. I've got some pretty good stuff and I've Dana, got some really Dana, good that is what I'm, I'm asking. What happened to Colin's paintings after? I want to get that one painting, Dana. Yeah, I, I know the well, one. You're I think Peter Tigler would still have that painting. I just well, maybe maybe we bought it. Actually, I'm trying to remember now whether we he yeah he might have just painted those for us. I can't remember. That's interesting. But uh, I mean, Jason Wiles was very comfortable like adding to the paintings. I think you know he looks like he's noticed what he's doing. It's pretty good. Oh, I mean, like I I mean to, you know you you're watching it like uh, oh man he's such a wonderful talent an artist. How did we get it all out of one guy? <laughs> I know exactly. I know the guy. Um, yes, uh, you know, and then we have some of this stuff about uh, the uppers and the downers and all that kind of stuff. You know, he's getting her off of all of that, or getting her onto all of that. Um, still coming from some of the same places for you guys. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's you know, unfortunately, it uh, it costs a lot of careers in writers. You know, yeah. so. You know, I'm not going to name names, but someone didn't end, end end well for that reason. They had to be let go. Yeah. So, um, I'm one of the main people. So, it's just the attrition again. We have to look at the background of all these episodes we were doing, like 90 episodes in uh, yeah, 30 30 months. I mean, you know, three a month, and um, I think you know it just it put a lot of stress on everybody. But we got it done, and the season, you know, was pretty good. But you know, it, there's a lot of cool stuff in this season. Yeah, and the and the actors are are at the top of their game, I think, and they look fantastic. I mean, they're dressed fantastic. Can you hear us, Molly? I can finally. I can. Excellent. Lily was asking before, uh, you who is the most difficult, and you said you had said Jenny, right? Yep. <laughs> and then I had a follow-up of, was there ever a time where someone absolutely hated what they wore, what they had to wear? Oh, and sure. Oh, yes. Every show. Can you say an example from the You can't do it 100% of the time. <laughs> you try so hard to please them. And, you know, the amount of money that Mr. Spelling spent for those clothes and shoes, shoes, bags, everything. And we did wonderfully with promotions. I mean, even the NFL promoted for us, and they don't promote for anybody. So, yeah. no, we did really well that way. Dana wants to know who the easiest was to dress. Shannon. Ooh. I would <laughs> say Ian. 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 Jay or the boys were totally yeah. easy and yeah. you know I still am in touch with those two and Joey Tata yeah who is really getting quite senior now yeah mm. uh, but I have a I have one of the peach bit shirts those are a hard to hard to find uh, uh, Right? Well, I think I think Jane Trapnell had the fabric dyed and and custom made. And Darren, do you have time, a? Uh, inherited those shirts. Darren, do you have one of the shirts? No, but I have one that my mother-in-law made me, which looks a lot like it. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's see. Now listen, guys, it's five minutes to the end. So I'm going to unplug and say thank you for having me. Now, Molly, okay, Molly thank you so much for being here. Yeah, listen, I would really to... love to do that and do a whole show with you and look at some of the stuff that you have. I yeah, think that would be absolutely. a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll do it anytime. All right. Whether sounds you good. Call me or email yep. Larry Dare. Enjoy the beach. Nice meeting you, Molly. Lily, thank you for all your hard work. All right. Thank you, Molly. Bye for now. Bye. Good night. All right. Uh, That was really a nice treat, Larry, bringing Molly on. I think that was good. So so much stuff there that she knows, and uh, I think that will be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, back to the episode. Uh, Matt, where's Darren's thing? Oh, Darren. It's uh, it's kind of like it. But uh, oh, oh, that's pretty. That's a that's a fairly great uh, representation, man. Yeah. Yeah, I I wore it when I first met Jason and Luke, and they were like, "Where the hell did you get that shirt?" (laughs) (laughs) Your mom made that for you. Yeah, my wife's mother made it. Yeah, she did in school. Yeah, some good stuff. Um. Back to the episode, Larry. Let me ask you about the 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 TV executive character, Max Roman. Right? Who is Max Roman? You know, I think he was a comedian. Uh, I forget who the actor was. I think Steve Vinovich's name is maybe or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it was like a, a a Catskill comedian name, you know? Yeah. A guy who might be kind of uh, on, uh, you know, be a producer in a show like that. You know, it was nothing special. I didn't think, but he did a good job. He had, you know. Sometimes you have to ask those questions because there might be a big Max Roman fan sitting around somewhere. Well, uh, hopefully there is. Right? I can't. I don't know if they add to it. Yeah, you never know. Uh, where are some of the stuff with Claire and Steve on TV shot? Whew, I don't know. Uh, you know, I suspect somewhere probably in the valley. You know, there's old stages there. And just you know, we just rent one and just shoot it there. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like the Jeopardy show, which we actually shot in the Jeopardy stages. Yeah. So this is just. So here's a quick question. That. We have uh, L return on this episode. Yes, we should talk How about that. Well, that How was my char- that was my character. So I always sat on that. I knew I'd bring her back sometime, and we were looking for something for her, uh, him, and um, it just worked out great with Arnold. Arnold. I mean, it just it it it's really is funny. I I hadn't seen that in a long time, and I. I, I forgot there was so much of her in this thing. She had to do yeah. a lot of acting because, you know, she's basically a model and she really is a good sport to do this. You know, you really have to be confident to play a woman who's dressed as a man, but you're a woman. You know, it's really, it's complicated. Yeah. And she's worried really, about that, by the way. Was she okay when she got it? She knew what she was going to do? Yeah. Well, yeah. And we thought, especially I thought, that that was the best way to sell it, to protect Steve. So yeah. it wasn't going to look like he was foolish. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't see? I mean, like, what are you, you Grant? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great reference. Yeah. Eddie Murphy? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all the guys who fell for that. Um, but yeah, so I, but yeah, so it's interesting. And I just thought something happens in that episode, which, again, as a writer, you're taught the weakest convention you can do is someone overhearing something else, which is a big part of the plot. Right. It's, it's a, a bad trope. And we use it here, and it right. works. It works. I was going to Brian reveals that he loves Claire. She's over. I don't know why he doesn't know she's in the bathroom, but she's in the bathroom, toilet. Right. And she hears that, 
and it's great. It, it you know sometimes you gotta you 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 know the worst thing you can do is the best thing. That's all I can tell you. It really worked. I was going to say, you know, in last week's episode that we were talking about Ian, we always said he was a great sort of, you can always go to him for some comedy or whatever, but he he also delivers some serious freaking drama here. And uh, this is like one of those beautiful, touching Steve moments. Um, do you realize that when you're writing for him that he can deliver? You hope for it. You really hope for it. Yes, yes. You, you Look, you want your character, you want that love to be real between them because we're going to sustain it for a while. You want to really be, because they've been going at it and stuff. You want now to show what's really inside. And I thought he really made that, that work really well. I was really happy with that. Now I should say before that at the table, he does this thing with, uh, does your dad prefer clams or mussels? <laughs> yeah. That was not written by us. Okay. Oh, okay. That wow. was Ian, uh, improvising. I'm, Pretty certain. Well, or Jason, I will not, you know, and, and of course our broadcast standards, it did went right by them. They didn't, they didn't see the significance of that. <laughs> so and I went, holy shit. I went, wow. Uh, all of that stuff, she, she, he, or he, she, or whatever he says at one point at the table. The, the, I don't think you can ever get away with some of that on television today. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, I had, and, and we were an eight o'clock show. Uh, I don't know. I just thought uh, the guys slipped one across there. You know, I, I don't yeah. think they caught that. I mean, they knew, you know, they knew Elle because she had been in the show before. You know, we we had you know revealed. You know, we had the the fake uh, the fake uh, uh, boob come out in the, the, yes. the Palm Springs episode. Yes, yeah, so this is actually two seasons later. It's pretty cool that we bring her back. So again, yeah, yeah, that's okay. for the fans. The fans go, oh my god. And that, you know, but we had to be as sharp. We always felt we had to be as sharp as the fans as far as the saga, the oral saga of the show. And then we would throw stuff in because we wanted them to feel rewarded for being loyal watchers. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Do you get to a place now in season six where you're like, we can take that chance on a callback because the audience has been following us for six freaking seasons at this point? You know, they have yeah. to, you know. Yeah, like we were saying, like, we could write a whole episode where everyone's in denial because – Kelly's mother was on drugs yeah. you know, five years before. Yeah. In in the, in, I think in the, and Dylan too. I mean, in this episode here, right. And she dealt with all that and walked him through the, you know, walked him through the, yeah. That's why the end of Snowbound feels a little bit unmotivated to, you know, where she, she the father thing is, is, is real for her. There's no doubt. And she, and there's tears going down and stuff. But maybe we should have slowed it down a bit looking at it now. Yeah. Um, Jason gets a producer credit here uh, on the Nancy episode. What is uh, outside of the Spice Girls incident? What is uh, <laughs> what is Jason like as a producer? I mean, these guys are starting to you know do some of this stuff now. Well, he's direct. I mean, he's directing too. I mean, don't forget. Uh, by this point, he's definitely directing a couple of shows. Yeah. Uh, he's a terrific. You know, very inventive director and, and good in pre-production. He puts on a different hat totally, and and he was pretty good at directing himself, which is not easy. Right. Uh, and we always would write those episodes a little bit, you know, not focus, as focused on him, you know, try right. to give him a break on that. Um, but as a producer, uh, you know, at that point, the credit was just a, a you know, part. I was going to ask you, is, there, is there anything that is, no, no they're not. I mean, the certainly the door is always open if you want to suggest something like maybe you'll bring in a writer. Uh, right. Um, but uh but yeah. no, other than that, he, it was just a, a vanity credit at that point. I mean, he became a producer later on, but at that point, I think it would just be vanity. 
Right, but directing we can talk about some other time because I think he has uh, he has some really interesting episodes that he directed. I think he oh, directed yeah. the episode where Donna and, and David finally, you know, where she. That's right. That's the one that I wrote with Phil uh, the la- uh, graduation day from college. Yeah, it's a two-parter which uh, Phil Sabbath and I wrote. Yeah. So we can we'll, we'll, we'll uh, definitely do I that. Wish Phil could be here to talk about it. You know, there's so many guy people who are gone from this show. It's it's amazing. You know, again, yeah. it was such a killer. So. Chuck left the show, which really, when you think about it, like, why didn't you finish college? I would beg him, please finish college. You know, right? He must have had a premonition because he left, and literally six months later, he had a heart attack. Which is, I know, that's a lot of you know. And then Paul Wagner, who we all loved and needed, had a cancer diagnosis, and he was, you know, by by the season six end, he was, you know, he was working, but he was really ill. It's important to note. That- everyone, I mean, it was it was an attrition. It was hard. I was going to say, you know, we kind of alluded to it up top, but I mean, it's it's an understatement, some of the stuff that you're dealing with in the writer's room. You know, I mean, listen, we've talked a little bit. I'm not going to go there, but I mean, it's it's the divorce is a big deal, right? Two main people that you're used to working with are great friends. And now that relationship's changing. So I can't even sort of lean on that, right? Chuck, but, but everyone, Chuck's gone. Chuck's gone. Chuck's gone. And, there's, yeah. no, there's no mind sort of controlling right it must have been and chuck as far as chuck concerned and chuck i know doesn't watch the show so it's okay um, <laughs> the thing is the show is going to fall apart without him I, I told you the story which was great uh you know i said did you see because we were doing the uh homeless where the tart is yeah good to see you darren so i was telling you i want you to hear the story too so we were doing homeless where the tart is so i asked chuck if he saw it he says you know I started the episode. And I see these two people, and they got to be fucking in the plane. I turned it right off. I said, that was a gag. You didn't see any more. Says, it was. <laughs> he had no idea because he just was convinced it was all going to go down without him. Which is, you know, that's part of his charm. You know, it's part that's of our another our- Kelly and Colin moment. So I want to ask you about the limo. There's a scene I think in uh, Snowbound where they're all over each other in the limo. I mean, who gets credit for that? Is that you, you, you guys again? You no, know? I mean we wrote the scene. I mean, but they, but again, that was staged by Chip Chalmers. It, it looked pretty like they were, you know, they're very comfortable with each other, and you know, felt very yeah. realistic. Oh, I mean, hard to get in position in a limo, even though it's big, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we have uh, the stuff with, um, you know, Nancy's choice and Susan Keats and the abortion stuff. I think that's important to talk about, right? I mean, this is a big political issue, and you go there. Where? How does that come for Susan? And you know, yeah, I I think Jessica, you know, shepherd shepherded this story pretty good. I mean, it was it was important to her, and it was important to John Eisendraft, who was the writer of it. Um, and you know, I think we came down all right. I mean, I don't remember a big controversy about it. Yeah, I thought it would be right now after we talk. Right, and and I and I thought it was interesting. This episode, the most thing interesting thing to me was seeing Brandon jealous of this guy. Yes, you know, uh, haunted by this guy. I mean, really, it was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, the actual effect of the abortion and what it does, I thought that was really well well stated, and I thought we. We gave both sides of it. She said if she had to do it again, she might not. You know, I mean, I thought we really uh, you, you, we you, presented in an honest way, I thought. Yeah, I mean, her speech at the award ceremony is phenomenal, I think, right? I think she, yeah. I think Susan or uh, Emma, Emma is just so amazing at the end of this episode. I don't know if she gets enough credit for her acting work. I don't know what Emma does now these days, but uh, she is just such a raw talent here in this, in this and to be in this and to be so good at it and to 
hold her own with Jason and these characters, I think is a, a testament to her ability as an actor. So I totally, I totally agree there. Uh, you know, the other thing we should mention is that Pete Conrad, the astronaut, was the uh, host of the uh, evening there. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think he's passed on now. But you know, it was one of the original astronauts. It was kind of we always try to like people would come into town and go, "Hey, can we put him in the show?" You know, it was like get somebody in. I know Chuck uh, Chuck had little Richard, you know, and had to cut him out of the episode. But we had little Richard in the episode. Trish Young says she still. We had we had James Brown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there 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 was, and you had the Rolling Stones, right? So I mean, yeah. Um, let's see. I know we want to do want Darren to kind of go take us on a tour in a second here. We're gonna to get to that. Uh, what about the guy, the actor that plays Jonathan? I didn't ask about him. How was how? I mean, he just came out. He came out and won the role. You know, we we just cast him over the hill. It wasn't like a spelling role we had to have for Mister Spelling. And you know, we just kind of had the look of my. I named him after a high school friend of mine. I got to remind my friend that he, he should take a look at this episode. He probably never knew um, <laughs> the guy I still see. Uh, is that weird? I thought he was pretty good. I mean, the guy never went on to a career, I guess. But because uh, I looked yeah. him up, his name is Carl T. Smith. Now, when you write a character, Jonathan, right, and this is your friend, are do, do you have like this double mind sometimes? Where you're like, ha, if I can name the actor, the character. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in fact, when I first went to Hollywood and I did Chips, the greatest thing for me was like doing radio calls, like you know, get down to Twenty Two West Lines Avenue, like my old. I would say my old home thing because. You know, where I grew up and stuff. I put my principal in the things, you know, Mr. Yannarella wants to see. <laughs> do that. Yeah. And then, you have to clear the names, too. Don't forget. All the script yeah. names have to be cleared. So, if you know, if you use people you know, you could always you could always talk them into it. Yeah. Um, we talked, we touched upon this a little bit real quick. I want to talk about having Jonathan and Susan Keats have a, have a moment together at the end of that episode. Brandon walks off and you have two... I don't want to say minor characters, but definitely not lead characters, right? Having a scene together. How hard is that to happen? And how does it happen? I don't, I feel, I don't know. I wouldn't, if I had a stronger hand on that, it wouldn't have happened. But uh, I, like I said, I, I was not shepherding this episode. Uh, it's a good episode. And, and, and the Coke stuff is, is phenomenal. Because again, it's James Whitmore. The last shot of this episode, when you see Kelly, She's trying not to take cocaine the whole the whole episode. Now at the end, and shot from the mirror out to her. One of the best uses of the mirror I've seen. Because you know I hate directors and mirrors. And I said this to you. Uh, you know, I think the the difference between the two episodes between it's a, it's a drastic difference. You know, the and and then there's no disrespect to the person that directed Snowbound. But when you see an innovative director, when you see that in Nancy's choice, you know that he's constantly thinking and he's constantly moving the story with images and he's getting something special out of the characters. I think the Whit Whitmore is what you said? It? James yeah. Whitmore Jr. is one of the best. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, uh, I'm trying to... Try, I reached out to him on LinkedIn. Maybe we can bring him in because, he, you know, obviously his father was James Whitmore Sr., the great actor yeah. from Shawshank Redemption and every billion things. Sure. But, you know... He just uh, just had a natural ability. He was a Hollywood kid growing up, and he just uh, just knew how to do it. And he's great with actors, and you know, people love him. I think he's done like like sixty NCISs. I mean, and he's got to wow. be like he's older than me. Melanie loves the use of the mirror. Uh, Lily, before we shoot to Darren, do you have any great fan questions? You've been asking some good ones. Uh, yeah, I have one really major question. How did you come up with any five? 
and have prison body return. Uh, well, okay. This is my character again. And it wasn't supposed to be Danny Five. It was supposed to be Danny V, named, uh -huh. named after a friend of mine who had overdosed, named. Oh. Yeah, and who I loved very much. So I always like, and I forget the actor who played him, but when he when they read it, he went Danny Five, and everyone day I went, this must be Danny V. But he looked at it, <laughs> he looked at it like a Roman numeral. Right. It's weird when they find, but uh, yeah, yeah, Danny Dowley, his name was. Yeah, he. He overdosed and then uh, his cigarette fell down. He burned and he set himself on fire. Oh, yeah, go, kid. Don't do don't do heroin. Yeah. Oh and obviously coke as well as we learned from this. Uh, this, this. No, I mean there's, there's there's no end game in coke. You can't win in that thing. We all we all learned that it's only going to end one place bad. So you know, don't even all right, start. everybody watching the show, listen. You know, everybody. Oh, go ahead. Yep. Sorry, Lily. One last thing. Um, so just to confirm, Chancellor Arnold. His name is Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, we thought that was funny. You know, Arnold squared. You know, that was a, I love uh, that. And, and, and Nicholas Pryor, uh, you know, is a dear actor. Uh, obviously, we cast also his wife as uh, Steve's mother, uh, Christine Belford. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're a wonderful couple. They live in North Carolina. Again, I'm trying to reach out to all these people to join us for the conversation. We'll see if we get them. But he's you know in his late 80s, I think. And but he, he played that so charming. Uh, he's wonderful. Uh, and it was kind of good, and it gave Claire something special to have in that episode, I thought. And then and we used it to bring them together. So it was a very successful uh, storyline, I thought, with Ellen. I tried to reach out to Monica, but she didn't come in either. Oh, uh, well, we'll get some people. Don't yeah. worry. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go to Darren. He's going to show us some cool stuff. But before that, everybody who's watching this or listening to this, go on to Kathleen Robertson's Twitter today and tell her she needs to come on the Beverly Hills 90210 show podcast. Just put it under one of those. She's got so many great images up now on Twitter from when she was on the show. Just write at, we have a Twitter now, at 90210 show. So just at our show and say, please, Kathleen, they really want you on the show, right? Larry, you think that might work? <laughs> I, you know, I don't see what the downside is for you. Again, we have Darren Starr on. I mean, geez, we've had, you know, we've set a high bar, I thought, with Sandy Grusso and Darren Starr. And so you know, you know, now we're, getting, we're starting to get into the weeds, getting the directors. We've had Michael Lang. And uh, if any of you guys get Kathleen on the show by tweeting her, I will be happy to send you any T-shirt that you want from the T-shirt store. So there you go. All right. Now, Darren Martin, there's so much to talk about. I feel like we could do a whole episode just with you alone. You know, you've been uh, a super fan. And I mean, listen, before we even get into seeing your collection, I want to tell you uh, from one fan to another, thank you in the, in the downtimes when... Uh, you know, nobody was talking about 90210. You were always uh, carrying the flag and talking about it. And, uh, you know, we lived through some of your experiences. So uh, from one fan to another, I appreciate you so much. And I've been following you for a long time. When you followed me, I was like, oh, my God, Darren Martin knows me. I was excited by that. So, uh -huh. <laughs> he is the keeper of the code. We, uh, I think uh, Ian called him the keeper of the code. And it's really an app. All right. So listen. Uh, the keeper of the code is going to show us some fun stuff that he has, right? You have a, 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 a vast collection of things. I'm going to put the uh, stream on you, too, so when you walk us through, show us some stuff that you got. Okay, cool. So uh, do you, how do you flip the camera? Uh, I don't have your phone, Darren. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. I, feel like it, I feel like my grandma. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That was, that was definitely a Chancellor Arnold uh, question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Zara. Zara says about you, Darren, as you're trying to figure out how to flip the phone. Darren Martin always stayed positive. 
So. Oh, thank you. Yep. So I'm trying to figure out how to flip this phone. I'm going to camera mic. You have a phone that there should be a little, like a little huh? flip, right? Or you could just, you know, do it after doing it, but show us things, yeah? There. Boy. Okay, so I'll do that then, I guess. Yeah. I can't figure out how to flip it. So I'll, I'll maybe... iPhone 101. A little bit. So <laughs> this is uh, the one for the, the new... The new show, PH90210, that I was lucky enough to, to be on. Um, this is uh, one of the props from the show uh, that Ian sent me in the mail. I'm not uh, sure cool. if you guys remember it, but it was like episode four, I think, called the photo shoot, where they recreate the iconic cast photo. No, that's from the oh, that's from the latest. The that's from the latest bit. Yeah. Yeah, the reboot. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. show. I just want to let you know, uh, Darren Muntz said, Ryan Thomas Brown said, "Hurry up, Dad." <laughs> Let me uh, figure out the phone. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is just uh, the the new show. Basically, I've got like the poster. I've got the uh, recreation of the shot. Ian Love sent it. me this really cool license plate. Oh, that's killer! And my friend Chris got these nine hundred two one zero sunglasses for the new show, which are kind of cool. Very. Uh, if you open this up, damn. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's pretty thick. That's incredible. And one man. of my favorite things in the entire room is this picture right here of uh, me with the cast when they had me on for the for the first episode. Yeah. Well deserved. That's a great yeah. picture. Yeah. Uh, Tori's always been my favorite girl on the show, so she signed this poster. Luckily, we've, uh, we've kind of become friends over the years, so... That's cool. It's kind of cool being friends with the people you grew up idolizing. You know, you always like hear the, that uh, thing. Uh, you always hear that thing sometimes. Don't meet your heroes, Larry. Have you ever heard that that phrase? Oh, sure, oh, sure, it's true. But you clearly have met them, and they all seem that they're pretty cool with you. Yeah. Well, I want to say, oh, yeah. I think you made them better. I think you made them better. I think you know, a lot of ways, the untold story is, and Darren gets embarrassed, but in a lot of ways, his seeking out them kind of bonded them, rebonded them, and made them remember what was great about that time in their lives and doing the show. And I think they, that's what, in a lot of ways, the crystallization of the, the reboot came out of. That's amazing. And I, and I, I, I agree with that, Darren. I mean, the whole idea of this podcast with Chuck and Larry was a face or a video that you guys did, uh, you and Chuck did, just asking some questions. And I was like, man, these guys have so much information. I want to know everything there is to know about 90210. I wish these guys had a podcast. So, uh, you're doing a lot of great for us 90210 fans, and I don't, I don't know if you get enough credit. I mean, uh, thank you again, man, for all of this that you've been. Thanks, you've done. What's the What's the Brandon Walsh thing that you have there? Is that the the his This was a gift from uh, Chuck Rose's daughter Lindsay. Oh, He's very cool. The, the actual poster from the show. So this is the uh, elect Brandon Walsh for junior class president poster. Oh, that's amazing, man. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sick. This right here is uh, the Euphoria shot. It's kind of a, a hard shot to get, and it's a song by the cast with their uh, character signatures as well. So oh, she wrote okay. to Darren with the biggest love, Jenny Garth. And then nice. she put Kelly Taylor's signature too, which is kind of cool. That's very cool. I love it. Here's a smaller version of the Brandon Walsh poster that I got Jason to sign. And I, oh, I was going to ask him to do the defacing of the face like he drew on the original poster, but 
I didn't want to, didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> I think we have a new T-shirt there with that class president thing. Let's see, what is this? Yeah, yeah. This right here is a, um, it's a TV Guide uh, watercolor that was done by an artist named Brian Davis. Oh, it's beautiful. And, uh, I, I bought it on eBay like back in 2002. So yeah, it's like an original watercolor, but I had copies made for each of the cast members. And I think I gave one to Larry and Chuck and everybody. That's very cool. This is, uh, it's kind of hard to come by because uh, it's signed by the entire cast, including Shannon and Tiffany. And you nice. don't normally see things signed by both of them. No. So that's kind of rare. That's um, a very rare thing, yeah. This is a, a cool item. It's a 90210 um, Ghetto Blaster. Damn. I love that. Yeah. yeah. When I met Ian the first time, he gave me this. Uh, season 9, he comes out with a, a self-help video called The End of the Pickup. Yes. <laughs> you got one of those. That's very cool, man. Yeah, he, he, gave, he gave me a couple of them, and... On the inside, when you, if you saw the VCR, which I do, uh, yeah. there's actual uh, dailies from the show. Ah, oh, man, yeah. that is Just to dream of right the, there. That were produced back in the day. They're yeah. basically all what happened on the sh on the show, but in uh, like book form. Yeah, these are the uh, nine hundred two one zero dolls or action figures, as I call them, because yeah. you know, the forties went own dolls. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible, man. My wife found this uh, car at a at Value Village. It's like a thrift store, and it was red, but we painted it black. So <laughs> that's very cool. Uh, Jackie said, "Darren, I want to I want to go to your mini museum. So maybe you'll be opening up a museum yeah. at your, your house one day, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I truthfully could probably fit a couple more rooms, but my wife would kill me if I did that." <laughs> Yeah, I've got all the books. I, I've got something for Darren. I promised him, which is my California University diploma, uh, <laughs> which uh, Darren knows is going to end up in so awesome. my, my sons will never want it. So I, I have actually, you know, that's I'm waiting for Darren to come out west so I can load him up on some more stuff. Some cool stuff. So I, like one thing. Thing. I have um, I have not as much of a collection as Darren. I have a few items. Some of them are the same, but my most Prize that I recently got is. Hold on, let can me you see it? Let me just see if I can zoom in on you there. Oh, a watch. It's a Dylan watch. Mm. Very cool That's stuff. Awesome. Darren, didn't I give you some? Uh, didn't I give you some nice oh, underwear, some boxer shorts? <laughs> no, <laughs> I had some. I wonder what I do with those. <laughs> um. Listen, guys, I think we covered these yeah. couple of episodes really great. Darren, thank you for right. everything. Lily, with, with all the fan stuff, yes, we, we covered a lot. I just want to plug again the Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com. And um, this coming Wednesday, Larry, are you ready for it? Dylan, Jack, Iris, and the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, we are going to go deep. I mean I mean, I know Chuck wants to do the big storyline. I mean, I like when we're focused on the episodes a little bit more for me, but I got that one. We're going to do the whole scam. Chuck, we're going to meet on that and stuff. Yeah. I wanted to plug my website, which has nothing to do with 90210. It's very adult, though, and very interesting. Oh, look, there's one. There's one here. Okay. So, we're all reading. You know, you can get a peek inside my adult mind. 
and uh, it's been a fun ride. It's, it's challenging and good. Let me thank ask you so much, Peter and Darren. Great, yeah. Lily. Thank you so much, Larry. Before you leave, let me ask you: You look back at these two episodes. What? Almost I don't even know twenty something years later. What do you think? Do they still hold up? I, I the cocaine storyline. I was very proud of, and the, the work of the actors was great. I thought. And the Nancy's choice held up really nicely, I thought, other than the scene with, without our, our principal. But I, like I said, I was really impressed with James Whitmore's directing. It just You just realize how a director can really just elevate the material a little bit. Yeah. But ultimately, Snowbound to me is a weaker episode because it just it feels like it's just taking us to the next episode. It doesn't really feel in its own way. Like the one before that, Fade In, Fade Out, I really like. Yeah, I like to do that one at some point too. I love how we do these little episodes. My only issue with Snowbound, and it's not really an issue by any means, but the, the Steve and Claire thing is a little bit weak for those characters. I feel like they could do so much. It, it's, just, it's just forced. It feels forced to me. Yeah. You know? But when you get to Nancy's Choice, we're really moving. You know, we're... Yeah. We're elevating that, escalating that story. So, And I like the part of the cocaine story where you're trying to give it up. You think you have enough strength to put it away and get on with your life yeah. and stuff. And everything's working great. And then he finds out, he finds out, you know, someone's buying his stuff and he thinks it's all tied to his drug use. I mean, it's just classic, really. And Good stuff. He falls and she jumps in. I mean, she can't keep it up. Awesome. It's a, Brian was. I mean, David. David's right. You're not going to be able to walk away from this that easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're good. They're good episodes, and that. But again, they're leading up to the sweeps episodes, which are going to be the promotable log lines that are going to give us a lot of eyeballs. And we'll do those episodes down the line for sure. So yeah. listen, hey, it was great to have Molly. She, she, she she's Molly was wonderful. I would love to do that. Maybe, maybe a bonus episode would be amazing. Uh, yeah. Somewhere down the line with Molly and her racks, all the stolen, all the clothing she's stolen. Yeah, so now I'm going to go look at that artist and see if I can find that uh, paint. All right. right. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in, and we'll be back Wednesday. Good Good night. Take care, and we're leaving.